Action is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Hope you're having a good Monday so far. It's Monday, June. I'm going to say June. Well, I'm always going back when it comes to summer because it's my favorite time of year. It's actually July 27th. So good to be with you on this Monday morning edition of Catholic Connection. And we have a busy morning for you. So much to talk about, let me tell you. My wonderful producer, Andrew, actually worked through the weekend uh, on this agenda because there was so many, this rundown, because there were so many things going on and we were going back and forth and talking to different people. We were able, and I'm so excited to get Kristen Hawkins with us this morning. As I mentioned, she did a terrific editorial for USA Today. Uh, Margaret Sanger, deserving no honor. And it's a column, and it's also promoting an effort that they're doing, and we announced this on Friday in our newscast, to stamp out Margaret Sanger and to remove images and and signs, including the one of her, the bust of her, in the Smithsonian. EWTN News Nightly covered that story along with Catholic News Agency last week. So we'll get her take on what's happening. And the thing I want to stress right now is that if you're listening to EWTN, you're up to date on what's happening in the Catholic world. And sometimes we assume that others who are with us in the faith and even pro-life and who vote pro-life know what's going on. Uh, there's a lot of really good people who just instinctively, because they know what's right and wrong, they'll go ahead and they'll, and they'll vote pro-life, uh, which of course is a core issue for us as Catholics. But it's important for them to, to help um, them understand the big picture in terms of what's happening so they can educate others as well and learn more about it themselves. And a lot of people do not know about the roots of Planned Parenthood and the connection with Margaret Sanger. And we cannot let this moment, as Dr. Alveda King and as Pastor Childress from BlackGenocide.org said last week, and as Janet Morana said, so many people speaking out here in the network about Planned Parenthood itself, its largest affiliate, finally admitting Margaret Sanger and her racist and eugenics roots. I mean, this is huge. We have been saying this for decades. This is Philip Campbell, author of the Story of Civilization series. I'm excited to also teach high school history with homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider and a sponsor of the station. Your student can meet with me and fellow students online for a live interactive class. Whether you take history with me, apologetics with Tim Staples, or grade school with Jack A. De La Viega, or any of the other 400 plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, Catholic online learning is available now for your family. The best things in life are worth waiting for, and that is what makes the Young Catholic Professionals National Conference Work of Our Hands Conference on St. Joseph that much better. Due to COVID-19, the conference will not take place in the fall, but has been rescheduled and will take place April 30th through May 2nd, 2021 at the Hilton Executive Lakes Conference Center in Grapevine. Keynote speakers include undercover boss Dina Dwyer Owens and Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus in The Chosen. For more information and to register, visit ycpconference.org. And, and the statement that the New York affiliate put out, if you recall last week, that we have to deal with our heritage, our, what, what's happened to us. We have to, I think they said, um, reconcile our racist history. Well, it doesn't mean you just put out a statement and walk away. 
including Arizona, Florida, and Texas. One of the first large studies of safety and effectiveness of a coronavirus vaccine in the United States begins this morning, according to the National Institutes of Health and the biotech company Moderna, which collaborated to develop the vaccine. The study, a phase three clinical trial, is to enroll 30,000 healthy people at about 89 sites around the country. The main goal is to determine whether the vaccine can prevent the illness. A church volunteer has admitted to starting the fire at Cathedral in Nott, France, and was charged with arson on Saturday. The 39-year-old Rwandan refugee who had been detained and released by police immediately following the July 18th fire at the Gothic Cathedral was arrested again and indicted July 25th on charges of destruction and damage by fire, according to the Nott public prosecutor. The prosecutor said in a statement that the volunteer had confessed to lighting three fires in the cathedral. The lawyer of the accused told a French newspaper, quote, My client is today consumed with remorse and overwhelmed by the magnitude of the events. Two statues of Christopher Columbus in Chicago parks were removed Friday following demonstrations and attempts to pull down one of the monuments. The office of Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot announced July 24th that the city had temporarily removed the Christopher Columbus statues in Grant Park and Arrigo Park until further notice. This action was taken after consultation with various stakeholders. It comes in response to demonstrations that became unsafe for both protesters and police, as well as efforts by individuals to be ind- to independently pull the Grant Park statue down in an extremely dangerous manner. Priests for Life National Director Father Frank Pavone has resigned from advisory positions in the re-election campaign of President Donald Trump. In response to questions about his role in the Trump campaign, Pavone told CNA July 24th, I've been requested by the competent ecclesiastical authority not to have an official title or position on the advisory boards, so as a priest in good standing, I followed that request. And finally, the Congregation for the Causes of Saints has announced the date for the beatification of Father Michael McGivney, the founder of the Knights of Columbus will be beatified on October 31st, 2020. Those are your GRN headlines for Monday, July 27th. Father McGivney, pray for us. You know, his church was attacked a few weeks back, by the way. Uh, Sad. He was part of the uh, many attacks on the church across the United States, which, again, you can find all of the uh, incidents reported over at uh, Complicit Clergy, I think it's the website. But uh, Pope St. Celestine I, pray for us, a good friend of St. Augustine, uh, he became Pope in 422, and he worked to reform the clergy, because the clergy are always in need of reform. It's not a new thing. It's been around for a very long time. And uh, he ordered the absolution that he ordered that absolution should never be denied to the to the dying, especially if they can't seem to speak out loud. But uh, absolution should never be denied to the dying who were sincere in their repentance. Um, he also convened the council in Rome in 430 and sent delegates to Ephesus in 431 to condemn Nestorianism. Uh, Nestor and to excommunicate Nestorius. Now, in Ephesus, uh, in 250 AD, there were seven young men. Now, it has a link to the to the fifth century. Here, here's how it works. There were seven sleepers in Ephesus in the third century, 250 AD. They were hiding from the persecution of Decius. Now, Decius was was uh, arresting Christians and having them killed, having them martyred. And so, these seven young men hid in a cave. And the story goes that they were that they were captured, they were found, they were arrested in the cave, but they they walled the cave up. They put stones in front of it, walled it up, and they put a dog uh, to guard. The dog Al Rakim was uh, guarding them in this cave. Now that's two fifty A.D. Fast forward to four seventy nine A.D. Someone broke through the wall, and guess what? 
they woke up. That's the story. That's the legend. But the, probably the more accurate historical account is they were caught in the cave. They were tortured and they were killed in that cave for Christ. Uh, and they were buried there. This cave was walled up and they were discovered. Their relics were discovered in 479. Their names were Constantius, Dionysius, Johannes, Malchus, Marti- Martinianus, Maximinianus, and Seraphon. Those are their names, and they are martyrs for Christ. And at first, they tried to avoid persecution. They tried to run from it. They tried to save their own lives. But these are desperate times, and uh, that moment may come for each and every one of us. What will we do? Will we have the courage to die or to to give up on our Christian faith? Will we deny Jesus if it should ever come, or will we stand firm? And like the seven sleepers or the Coptic Christians on the beaches that were martyred by the Islamists, what will we do? That's the question. I want to constantly keep that in my mind, that meditate upon my willingness to be courageous for Christ, to say what it needs to be said, to do what needs to be done, and, and maybe even give my life in defense of the faith or in loyalty to the Lord my God, my Savior Jesus Christ. So, seven sleepers of Ephesus and Pope Celestine I pray for us. Good morning, Teresa Camaro. Good morning, Joe. Ephesus, uh, you know, in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, Jesus gives, the, the, he says, to the angel in Ephesus, right, right? And he goes to seven churches, the seven churches in Asia Minor. Did you know those are within a 50-mile radius of each other? I had no idea. And he goes clockwise, like a clock. He goes up Ephesus and down to the other side, and these are essentially the this, this essentially the diocese of uh, John the Apostle. Do you know the two most common problems that ailed and plagued those churches that Jesus was referring to in Revelation? Fill me in. Paganism and sexual immorality. Mm, Think about that. Things that we're dealing with today. I know. What's, like, what's that saying? There's nothing new under the There's sun. There's nothing new under wow. the sun. Wow. Paganism and sexual immorality. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there you go. We're still, we haven't learned any lessons. That's what I guess well, what I'm trying I, to say. I, I think there's a lot to be said for the fact that we now have a lot more of the Catholic intellectual tradition to rely upon now. So yeah. so there, there's a lot to be said for looking back. We can, we can see things through a 2020 vision. Mm. Um, but at the same time, like, it's very important to keep in mind that history, keep in mind the, sure. the structure of our theology and our understanding of the faith so that we can move forward in times that can be very confusing can be, and can be very um, clouded by by emotions. So Now, good. we're going to be speaking with Father Carlos Martins. He's a, a priest of the Companions of the Cross. He's a world-renowned expert in relics, but he's also done a great deal of work in, in deliverance ministry. And we've invited him on today to talk about the diabolical within society. Mm-hmm. Is it on the uptick? Are we seeing an increase? Have the devil and the demons been let loose to ravage society? Uh, these are all questions people are asking themselves right now. And so we wanted to get some insight into them. And if it's true, then what do we do? What do we do about that? If, we, it, if it's not true, what do we do about it? Well, we see the destruction of the churches, and so that definitely brings into, like, why would they attack a statue of our Lord, who is love itself? Yeah. You know, why would they? And and so then there is the question of, you know, the reasons that they're giving. And so I think it's very important to look at 
what are the reasons that they are saying themselves and then also to kind of take into account like what is behind what they're what they're saying you know so what what is their meaning in this well i look at the the not just protest we're not talking about protest people have a right to peacefully yeah, protest absolutely it's not about that it's about the chaos it's about the anarchy it's mm-hmm. about the destruction the division the hatred the cra- the crazy i looked at that video of uh, of the cops in chicago trying to uh defend the statue of columbus they they're not in riot gear i, I don't know why mm-hmm. uh it's like bicycle cops mm-hmm. The other side is moving in coordinated fashion. Mm-hmm. We I have, saw that video. We have a rank of, of shield bearers. We have a rank of, of, of umbrella people holding. And so they're moving in coordinated they, fashion. They were guarded. That way they could change their... They, they were, put on their, all their black. They they had, were, and that way they could actually throw out. They could they could re- give the crowd more uh, missiles and projectiles in a sense well, to, to throw at them, whether they were actually explosives, actual explosives, well, or water whether bottles. they were hard water... But there were actual explosives as well. Well, here's what I wanted to point out, though. I served in the military. I've been through combat training. Mm-hmm. I've worked, uh, you know, in these uh, to practice to rehearse these coordinated movements. That's exactly what that was. You don't show up and go, "Hey, what are we doing today?" I don't know. Let's start creating shields and umbrellas, and let's move in a coordinated fashion. And let's and let's break apart the sign that actually has sharp ends on one side. Like that's that's not normal. No, you practice that in advance yes. before you ever get there. You coordinate, you practice, you rehearse. You, that way, your command and control is precise, and it moves in unison. And it's like watching the uh, the turtle movement of the Roman legion, how they would gather in a formation and they would uh, use their Shields to, to be able to block projectiles and move coordinated. That's exactly what we saw. Like, that's crazy. That's a whole nother level. That's not p- peaceful protest. That's and most not, people that's are not asking not for your that. voice to be heard. This is an intended attack with a goal. And, and it's just, it's otherworldly watching the level of, uh, of things going on. So it begs the question, is there a diabolical uh, attack going on in society? And I think the obvious answer is yes, but to what level, what degree? And I hope Father Carlos will help us to better understand that. But a couple of points I want to mention before we jump into some pro-life news. One, the Summer Speaker Series event uh, last week was great. Uh, for, uh, Monsignor Charles Pope gave a wonderful talk on courage. I really highly recommend listening to that. How can you listen? Well, if you registered for the event, you'll have access to the talk again. If you didn't, well, maybe you can get access to it. Reach out to our Dallas location. You can find all the details at grnonline.com and maybe request uh, access to the talk by Monsignor Charles Pope on courage. It was excellent. I highly recommend it. So hats off, well done to uh, to the team in Dallas for pulling that off. Of course, the Fishers of Men event in D.C. is coming up on August the 20th. Uh, Damon Owens is going to be in, in Alabama later this year. Now in Dallas, we're going to have uh, an incredible uh, event there. Father Hezekiah from the Institute of Catholic Culture, one of my favorite Catholic institutions. If you've never checked out the Institute of Catholic Culture, well, let me just recommend to you, check out the Institute of Catholic Culture. It's amazing. You're going to love it. Father Hezekiah is going to give a talk there. So you can find all those details on our website at grnonline.com. But did you hear a couple of big stories in the news over the weekend? The Supreme Court came out with a decision, uh, I guess, late Friday. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about this? Just this morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a 5-4 decision. Uh, basically, Calvary Chapel, which is a very anti-Catholic uh, Protestant um, community that uh, went to Nevada and said, we need relief from your restrictions against our religious worship. You're giving relief to the casinos, 
we want the same that the casinos have. That, that seems reasonable. That's what they asked. And Nevada said, no, no, you may not. So they took it up the chain and got all the way to the Supreme Court. Justice Kagan is who they had to go through. And the Supreme Court came out in a decision, 5-4 decision, uh, on Friday saying, no, Calvary Chapel, you may not have relief. You may not have the same level of openness that the casinos have. You may not. That's amazing. So this it's, is the dissenting. Crazy. This is a little quote from the dissenting opinion. Now, of course, Justice Roberts sided with the, uh, the liberal side of the court again. Uh, Justice Alito, Thomas, and Kavanaugh sided with the dissension. And uh, here is a little quote. I think this is pretty much sums it up. It says this, quote, The Constitution guarantees the free exercise of religion. It says nothing about the freedom to play craps or blackjack or to feed tokens into a slot machine or to engage in any other games of chance. But the governor of Nevada apparently has different priorities, claiming virtually unbounded power to restrict constitutional rights during the COVID-19 pandemic. He issued a directive that severely limits attendance at religious services. A church, synagogue, mosque, regardless of its size, may not admit more than 50 persons. But casinos and certain other favored facilities may admit 50% of their maximum occupancy. And in the case of the gigantic Las Vegas casinos, this means thousands of patrons are allowed. That that Nevada would discriminate in favor of the powerful gaming industry and its employees may not come as a surprise. But this court's willingness to allow such discrimination is disappointing. We have a duty to defend the Constitution, and even a public health emergency does not absolve us of that responsibility, end quote. You can find that information. You can find the whole actual uh the dissent uh, over at SupremeCourt.gov, and just search for Calvary Chapel, Dalton Valley versus Steve uh, Sislo- Sisolak. I get, I'm not saying that correctly. Steve Sisolak, governor of Nevada. I'll link it up. Uh, yeah, I like it when you link stuff up. So it's a powerful statement about the difficulty that we're facing. Casinos, good. Religious service is bad. Well, I was just thinking about also like the fact that the California governor came out and said that we can't sing in that they can't sing in church. And I was just thinking about like how many martyrs sang to their, you know, whenever they were dying. How many uh, I remember hearing about this Marine who said that they were in this very, you know, in, in a swamp and they like the morale was kept up overnight and they said well if one of you quits then you can all get out of this swampy area you can all get in the, and they're all their teeth are chattering and one of them starts to sing <laughs> and that morale kept them through the night and nobody quit and I'm like there is a lot to be said for the fact that singing brings people together yeah. it's not just about air coming out of your mouth <laughs> and so like it, it's very critical for people to be able to have that level of communication together yeah. um, and so so hopefully this this persecution because that's what it is yeah, is will will end i was just having fond memories of of cadence in the marine corps mm-hmm. <laughs> well that not everybody can carry the tune that was one of the things that they said was that they, this person couldn't sing but it kept the morale up so. yeah and it's true you know when things are, are, are rough and tough boy marines start to singing cadence and things get better just you just you, you come alive you feel the pride you feel that uh 
that courage uh, bubble up to the top, and that's very true. But uh, these are difficult days. We're mm-hmm. seeing religious persecution under the guise of public health safety. But clearly, in this case, they're giving a pass to Nevada because the gaming industry creates you know, untold wealth for the right. state. So they get a pass. But religious, you're not important. You're not essential. You're, but we have a constitutional uh, right guaranteed to us to say we can ga- if we can gather for protest and, and uh, making our voice heard peacefully, we'll praise Jesus. Mm-hmm. Why can't I also, according to the Constitution, gather for religious services? You know, and right. uh, so there's a lot at stake. And I have personally been very bothered by what I would see as a lot of acquiescing to secular authorities that which the church is the governor of. Mm-hmm. And uh, once that cat is out of the bag, there's no getting it back in. Well, and one of the ways that we're seeing that pro-lifers are taking a stand publicly and peacefully and prayerfully is through participating in 40 Days for Life. And that particular um, prayer campaign is going to have its leadership sign up um, closing this week. So if you aren't signed up by the 31st, you know, like you need need to get in there and come out and pray outside of the abortion facilities because they've actually seen over 100 facilities close as Mm. a result. There have been workers that worked in an abortion facility that came out to pray with them because there is that ability of conversion and because we are there for the women and we are there for the unborn and for the workers. So so it's very important to have that peaceful, prayerful presence that is effective because because we're seeing it work. Also, I wanted to throw out a congratulations to Petrina Mosley, um, who is an extremely articulate woman who worked for... Um, the Family Research Council and has been appointed to the U.S. Agency of International Development. Um, she came out uh, earlier this year um, to defend the Born Alive Infant Protection Act of, uh, that was being voted on in earlier this year um, and how it was different from 2002, the bill that was passed in 2002. Um, she directs their attention during her five-minute speech to... Um, and whenever she's speaking before Congress, she directs their attention to the fact that there were a hundred over 143 babies that were born alive wow. as during the, a botched abortion. You know, mm. during uh, the and and the babies. The question is, were they given any sort of um, care? And and as we're seeing right now, um, we're seeing that the abortion groups like ABR, like um, Planned Parenthood in California. You know, they they talk about how there can be a baby that is alive after a failed abortion attempt. And, you know, in ABR, the the woman before in, in testimony in court actually talks about how the baby's taken to the lab and dissected just like it was if it was, you know, Insane. aborted, you know, just as if the abortion See, had actually we're been completed. About diabolical. Tell right. me that's not diabolical. It seems well, very insane to me. Well, and the thing is, like, this, this lack of understanding, like, the fact that, oh, this person isn't wanted, and so their life doesn't matter. You know what? God wants them. It's still a human God created life. them, and he has a plan for them, and it doesn't matter what color. It doesn't matter what age. It doesn't matter if they are still in the womb. Like, they, yeah. God has a plan for them. Otherwise, they but, wouldn't be here okay, right now. So, this is a, f- a fundamental issue. Boy, I wish we had more time here. If I can somehow rationalize, in my mind, that you are not a human being, well, then I give myself a pass to do anything to you I want. Anything. So, if 
if it was your color that I didn't like, when I rationalized, oh, if you're a person of color, you're not fully human, well, then I get to do whatever to you, like enslave you, uh, euthanize you, or, or force labor, whatever I want to do, I can rationalize that in my brain because I've somehow convinced myself that you're not human. That is not Christian. That is wrong. Absolutely In every right. scenario, right. it's wrong. So how can a person take a baby, born alive, and then somehow rationalize in their mind, whether regardless of who wants this child, to, to dissect it like it's not a living being. Well, and that's it's one a, of the reasons that human. the 2002 bill was so important because it defined that unborn child who is now born as a human being. So it defined that that child that was born alive as a human being and federal to be federally protected under the law. But there were no consequences that's that crazy. were outlined in that law, which is why this new one that has been introduced by Senator Sass and uh was brought forward uh, to address some sort of punishment for those that violate it. Um, also, a shout out to um, Nick Sandman, who won his case. Uh, I saw a meme this, over the weekend that said, Nick Sandman, the highest paid employee at CNN. Yes. So uh, he won his case against CNN, who smeared him after he wore a MAGA hat at a pro-life rally. Um, yeah. And then... Um, uh, Nathan Phillips approached him uh, and basically was beating a drum in his face. And Nick Salmon stood his ground because the well, reality he was is, shocked. I mean, yeah, they were was. already there. They were watching the festivities and everything and came watched, to them. Yes, they were standing there waiting for their bus yeah. to pick them up. And and they saw what else was going on around them and, yeah. and the noise and everything being made by all these people that were out there. Some of them were um, there were there was a group there that was hurling insults at them um, and the, they were just Mr. bystanders. Phillips, yep, and, and, Phil, and Phillips walked up to him, walked mm. up to the group, and like was trying to walk through them. And and he, if you look at the video, there's actual footage of the video. Like he just Nick just kind of stood there and and like you know appreciated the fact that he was there and just kind of like probably Are you in my face like didn't I don't really know what to do. Yeah, and just yeah. kind of just stood there and so Smiled. he has a yeah so he has this. Um, very um, well, they focused look on his face, yeah. and so he was later smeared by CNN and by other other um, news outlets. And so he actually just won a case against the Washington Post. And yes, and there other are six pending. more yeah. that are that are on the list. So, wow. um, so just keep on praying for the protection of our teens because he was a minor at the time. Say for protection for our teens and for all of our pro-lifers that are out there. And yeah. then also, I want to. Um, uh, I'm just very grateful to. I wanted to get your opinion on this, Joe. So we hadn't <laughs> talked about this it's before the show. Ha ha. <laughs> uh, so Surgeon General of the United States, Mr. Adams, mm-hmm. he is. He has announced that he wants schools to reopen. Yeah. And I'm super excited about that because a lot of people I, are, but it's 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 been divided into politics. Whether yeah. if you're conservative, you think one way, and if you're liberal, you think another way. Whereas I look at the stats and I, I looked at the CDC chart that that tracks the deaths mm-hmm. uh, since the pandemic started. And you can find it on CDC's website. You have to dig a little bit because it's not it's not at the surface. You have to dig down. But you'll find it, and it tracks the deaths, and it, it shows that the peak was in April, mm-hmm. and now we're we're at very low numbers. People are, in fact, you know, dying, and God forbid that my heart breaks about any death. But at the same time, the numbers are very low. Uh, they aren't increasing, no matter how many more cases are reported. But the, the chart also shows which age groups are the most affected and the school age children are like by far the least and the line was almost near flat 
the entire, even at the peak, it was near flat. Mm-hmm. So clearly, uh, the youngest uh, members of our society are the least risky in all of this. Well, so, and the WHO just came out saying that um, those that are... Yeah, the World like, Health Organization. Is that the, <laughs> the World Health Organization. Okay, the came ones out we defunded. Saying, yes, yeah, the came, ones that are backed by China. Got it. Said that the people that are asymptomatic are less likely to actually spread it, and I was like, "That's interesting." Well, who to believe? I mean, it, that's been part of my <laughs> so, challenge in the pandemic. Is who do we? Masks are great. Masks are bad. This, this, or that, and the other thing, and everybody right. has a, a differing opinion. And but, but I have a medical degree, so do I. You know, it's like yes. college. I've seen a lot of that. It's all politics, and I'm just like you. Got you people figured out, and you let me know in the well, end. Well, it's also the concern about being sued, and like the fear. Exactly. It's a lot of fear, and that's one of the things that we need to not cave to. Um, is is this this rise of fear in all these areas? Because you're not going to make everybody happy. That's just a reality. And um, one thing I'd like to touch on just really quickly, um, because because I saw this in the news too, um, was a whole bunch of um, armed. Uh, people who were coming and uh, yeah, the holding NFAC. guns, the yeah, the NFAC is as they NFAC, call themselves, yeah. well, and who can't actually tell you what that means on the air, it's, right? It's offensive. Um, and I was fascinated, actually. I watched a lot of videos over the weekend um, from Grandmaster Jay. You got two minutes, and and I, I get it, and uh, and it fascinated me how different his approach is from groups like BLM or groups like the N, uh, NAACP and um, I just want to just can't, you know keep on praying for wisdom and prudence yeah. for all those that are trying to address the racial issue because they're so different in their approach and yeah. I was super relieved over the fact that like I saw this report in Louis- Louisville Kentucky that that the NFAC and the um, three percenters apparently both heavily armed both came together both shouted it out and they both left peacefully. And I was like, praise you, Jesus. Yeah. Well, there you know? was a discharge. But of there a, was of a discharge, rifle. but that was because someone didn't know how to use a rifle. And I think that's yeah. going to be very important for us to keep in mind during this time is like, if you don't know how to use a firearm, don't think you yeah. can, don't just go wielding around. There's a responsibility there that mm. every one of us needs to take personally. And so don't just, just think that you just own it and it's just going to work on its own. You have to, like, learning to drive a car, there are certain responsibilities that you have. But I think also looking at the philosophies, like, if you look at just switching over to BLM real quick, like, they specifically say in their what they believe and in, in their about page, they specifically talk about how black, queer, and trans folks, disabled folks, undocumented folks, folks with records, women, and all black lives along the gender spectrum are network centers on those who have been marginalized within black liberation movements. And I think it's important to keep in mind, like, human beings are human beings, period. We owe them respect as human beings. But, but... There's a huge, huge difference in someone who chooses the lifestyle of homosexuality or in promoting homosexuality and, and sexual, um, or even, or even that's promoting, um, heterosexual sin versus someone who is born black. There is a huge, huge difference. Yeah. You cannot choose how, what, what culture you are born into. You can choose the attitude that you have. And this goes back to the whole like paganism and sexual yes, immorality. Exactly. Like you, you have that ability and it's important for us to train our children. And so I highly recommend that you read Rerum Novarum, mm. um, as you address the racial we'll issues. We'll have to take a whole show and we just will. discuss that. And also the compendium of social doctrine of the church. I we, highly we'll recommend it. We'll come back it. on that in a future show, but we're going to 
going to go to break. We're going to come back with Father Carlos Martins. We're going to talk about the diabolical in the, this subject as part of that, I think. Mm-hmm. It uh, wraps up. I also want to talk about the deadly shooting in Austin. Uh, we're sitting on a powder keg, and maybe we'll talk about that more in the after show when we go off the radio and we stay on social media. But coming up here in just about uh, two minutes, Father Carlos Martins is going to be with us. Is the diabolical on the rise? We'll discuss it coming up next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to GRN Alive. Now is a great time to call 877-757-9424. I had known about the station for a long time, but I have to confess I never tuned in. Perhaps I was biased, but then that changed, actually. Once I started listening, I, I, I kept the dial where it was at. I like Teresa Tamio and Al Crest. I just like their personalities. Call the Communion with Dr. David Anders and uh, More to Life with Pop Checks. I really, really love the show. I've learned a lot. But you know, also, I, I really like that there's prayers interspersed. I get a lot more praying done in the day that I wouldn't otherwise. We want to support the radio station for sure. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic Radio. Radio for your soul. Thank you for listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network and being part of the family. As family, we have a duty to pray for each other, and we would be honored if you would let us pray with you and for you. You don't even have to tell us your name. Just go to our website, grnonline.com, or call our prayer request line and leave us a message at 800-395-4008. That's 800-395-4008. We will be praying for you every day. Hey, Donnie, when we see Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A crucifix. And who said, preach Christ and Him crucified? St. Paul. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. If you have a car, truck, or some other vehicle you don't want anymore, but you still think it's worth something, why not donate it to the Guadalupe Radio Network? We accept most vehicles from cars to boats to motorcycles and turn the gift into support for all the great Catholic programming you love. Just go online to grnonline.com and click on the vehicle donation link for more details or call 1-888-636-6422. Speak to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It is great to be on with you. And uh, we have a, a great guest joining us on the show right now. He is returning. He's been on before. I think the last time was in 2019. Uh, Father Carlos Martins is with the Companions of the Cross. He is uh, a priest who is world-renowned for his expertise in relics. And uh, he's also done some work in deliverance ministry, and we, we wanted to ask him about the diabolical in society. But uh, good morning, Father Carlos. Thanks for being back with us. Good morning, Joe. It is good to be back with you. Praise be to Jesus. Now, when when you left off, so the last time we talked about relics, and just before we had, we were like running out of time. The music was playing, and then you you launched into this story about uh, a bishop giving you dirt from what he thought, or he believed was from the the, the site where um, uh, Joan of Arc was burned at the stake, and uh, and then how you kept it in a vial and you took it to an exorcism, and the devil howled, and then you had to go. <laughs> It was like, no! It was such a great story. So uh, maybe we can start with that. Maybe we can start right back where you left off and uh, maybe tell us that story again. 
Sure, sure. Uh, so it, it wasn't the bishop who gave me the vial, but the vial, <clears throat> it was a, it's a very old bottle and probably an old holy water bo- bottle. When I say old, I mean at least a century old, probably two centuries. The glass wow. is very rudimentary. Um, it's not, it's an old bottle, a, a bottle that would take a cork in the top rather than a, a screw down bottle. And inside, was a, a kind of a combination of earth and, uh, well, sandy earth is, is what it was. And there was a label written in Old French, earth from the site where St. Joan of Arc was burned at the market in Rouen. And then it had the date of the martyr. Wow. And so I, I got this. And so allegedly it, it is earth from the, from the grave of the site of St. Joan of Arc. Now, I don't know whether it is or isn't. And, and the priest who owned it died. And so it came to me. It, it, it found its way to my office. Uh, people send me a lot of stuff <laughs> when they don't know what to do with it. And so I, frankly, I didn't know what to do with this because all I know, the only knowledge I have, is that this bottle says that it is earth, inside is earth from the grave, from the site of the martyrdom, pardon me, of, of St. Joan of Arc. And so I... Uh, being an exorcist as well, I had an exorcism case coming up. And so what I did was I removed part of the, the sandy earth from this bottle and I took it with me. Wow. And when I applied it to the body of the, of the demoniac in the course of the exorcism, in other words, the demon's body, because as he's inhabiting it, the, the body becomes his. He animates it. He, he's speaking through it. It was just a violent, vehemently strong reaction. Wow. Uh, and so that, that gave all of, the, all of the knowledge that I needed. Now, I confirmed it with several other exorcists, providing them each some of this sandy earth, and every single one reported the same thing. Uh, so there, I, now it gives me a moral authority that, hey, a moral certainty, pardon me, that inside this bottle is what exactly the label claims it to be. Mm. Uh, and so, of course, as you know, uh, we don't have, per se, any first-class relics of St. Joan of Arc because there was nothing left uh, of her body. She, she wasn't just burned, but her remains were, were absolutely destroyed in the course of that fire. Um, so, uh, so that was, <laughs> that was how I ended our last, uh, interview. And it took me a long time to think of a way to end today's interview off with a zinger too. <laughs> well, you know, it's one of these topics that I think, uh, lay folks can get themselves in trouble with. And, uh, you know, the old saying goes, curiosity killed the cat. And uh, when I've talked to uh, demonologists or exorcists, they'll often tell me, you know, we have to be a little careful when it comes to the diabolical. There are rules that have to be followed in this work. And sometimes, uh, and I'm speaking for myself, I can only speak for myself, that, uh, you know, maybe I get a little carried away, a little, uh, you know, we get a little more interested, a little more animated, because we love Hollywood films that deal with exorcisms. It seems to have been uh, a trend as of late, uh, you know, all these films coming out about the possessed or whatever, and we realize in the process of this that we aren't very well catechized when it comes to the diabolical, how it actually works, what the rules really are, and then uh, so there's that, plus we look at the headline news and we see just 
an insane amount of crazy going on in our society in 2020. Uh, we have people that have been uh, sheltering in place at their homes for four months now, and that clearly affects their mental state. And then we see riots destroying cities. Uh, we see coordinated attacks against Columbus and St. Hennepin Sarah. I was watching a, a little video of the TFP guys and their rosary rally in Portland, and they were they were out in front of a statue of St. Joan of Arc, uh, and people were cursing and flipping the fan. I mean, it was just, it was just otherworldly. And then there's these videos of uh, people completely stark naked at these riots, just walking around. And it, 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 things seem totally crazy. How much of this is just diabolical? How much of this is just humans being humans? Father Carlos Martins. Well, that's a really good question. I, I think ultimately we're not going to know where exactly the line comes down. But I will tell you this, at, at heart, there, it's a diabolical movement because when what's at stake here, what's happening, what we're seeing is a loss of a Christian identity within society. Christian civilization in the Western world it has been eclipsed. And so what replaces that is invariably always a paganism. Mm. And at heart, what animates paganism, at the end of the day, is a desire to be God. Mm. When we revert back to our natural state, then we revert to a state where each individual tries to eclipse God. I mean, this, this is the primordial sin, if you will. This, you know, what, what the serpent in the garden tried to do to Eve was to provoke in her a desire to be God, that a desire that he stoked within her an appetite that you don't have to accept the limitations that God has put upon you. You don't have to do... And it worked very well. Right? It, wor it worked extraordinarily well. And so that sin, post the fall, becomes something much larger. And so when you have a throwing off of our Christian identity, which we're seeing at all levels of society. Look, frankly, Joe, even even a lot of clergy don't act like clergy anymore. <laughs> like what passes off, frankly, mm. for a priest anymore, it is is embarrassing at times. I mean, I look at the stories of how men have been formed in the seminary in the past four, four decades, and I mean, thankfully, uh, everything has gotten better. In, in the past 20 years or so, everything. John Paul II and, and, and uh, Cardinal Ratzinger as prefect of, of the Congregation uh, for uh, the Doctrine of Faith have really took that as, as a priority, and, and we're seeing the effects of it. Because now, I mean, I couldn't identify for you a seminary in the United States that is, is so liberal, that is is liberal to the extent that it that it merits closure. I, I couldn't, and before it was hard to identify one that I would be willing, if I were a bishop, to send a young man to. Like, hey, uh, I'm I'm entrusting this vocation for you, the future of my diocese to you. And, and so th that this kind of dechristianization mm. has really had an impact upon us. It really is, and and we're seeing the effects of it. I mean, we're seeing huge waves of it this year 
uh, in some sense, there's a perfect storm at many levels coming in with yes. a pandemic, with uh, you know all of that socialism, but, Marxism, uh, socialism, the attacks Marxism. against the church. I mean, it just seems exactly. it keeps going on and on and on. And then, of course, exactly. we still haven't received the McCarrick report, and now there's new allegations against uh, former Cardinal, now Mr. Theodore McCarrick. Apparently now they're, they're, they're alleging he ran a sex trafficking ring out of his house in New Jersey as a Cardinal, Prince of the Church. Like, these are crazy yeah. times. They are crazy times. They are crazy times. And, and the bad witness of Christians, and, and in this case, I mean, even a, a Cardinal, certainly... It contributes to paganism because it makes makes people lose faith in Christ's church. Mm. It makes them lose faith. Do you? I've noticed too in some of the uh, listening to the protesters in some cases where they're destroying statues of like Saint Hippocera or it seems like one of the ideas and to listen to Christians supporting these ideas. That's in particular what I'm trying to get to here. There seems to be uh, a sense where Christians have forgotten that there's only one faith handed on by Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, they seem to elevate everything else to the same level, as if the pagan religion of the Indians was somehow a good thing. And they didn't need saving from that. There might have been abuses at the hands of missionaries. I, we don't should not sugarcoat that. But at the same time, it's like we've forgotten that paganism, as you said, is this at the at its core, is trying to elevate yourself to the equality of God, and and not to mention the diabolical uh, influence where a lot of these uh, uh, these idols were actually demons masquerading, and these people needed to be saved from that. Do you sense that as well? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It, <laughs> you know, the world was a nasty place before Christianity. They just, just imagine the place of women, mm. where women were, and what they were relegated to in, in, in pre-Christian civilization, even within the Roman Empire, like the most advanced civilization in the ancient world. The Roman Empire, we, we have letters, for example, of Roman soldiers writing back home while they were away in battle. Uh, there's one in particular, uh, and this can be found, uh, its contents can be found even on a Wikipedia article on infanticide. Uh, this soldier writes back and, and congratulates his wife on being pregnant, and he says, if it's a boy, wonderful, this will be what we name him. If it's a girl, expose her. Wow. Oh, wow. So, ex- so infanticide. to expose a child meant you, you, you placed... The, the baby, the infant, in a clay pot outside, you put a lid on it, and you left the baby to die in this clay pot. And Roman streets were dotted with these things. And you could hear babies whimpering in them. A- ancient Roman writers <sighs> described the sound. I but can't, this, this I can't was deal with that. Roman civilization. That's horrible. And we were just talking about that in the first segment about uh, babies born alive and how. You know, again, thinking, uh, I have to believe, and maybe you, you should correct me if I'm wrong about this, Father, but I have to believe that a person who takes a baby born alive in an abortion and then dissects it, like, tell me that's not diabolical confusion. That is a human being. I don't know how, I don't know how one can look at another human being and make this rationalization to say, I can, I can uh, dismiss your humanity and do with you as I wish. Whether it's a baby, a person of color, or anybody, anywhere, anytime. Well, and I have a similar tied-in question to that. Like, how how do we, is there a line that is drawn between, like, serious, serious sin 
and the diabolical because someone can choose to ex- to open themselves up to demons but is there a difference between some i mean obviously there's there's signs that are difference between a person who's actually physically possessed by a devil and someone who just has a very terrible habit of sin that just keeps on growing and then they are committing more and more mortal sins um could you clarify that line a little bit sure sure i can yeah okay look um just in order to dispel all doubt, and this is the first thing that, in order to understand the diabolical world, that a Christian needs to understand, and that is, any mortal sin, any of them, the least mortal sin, if we can speak this way, one single mortal sin is enough to give, to give the devil rights to possess. Wow. So mm-hmm. he can possess through one mortal sin, because by definition... That is what a mortal sin is. A mortal sin destroys the effects of our baptism. And our baptism is the only line of defense against the devil, against, against being owned by the devil. Right? So, uh, tracing thing, going back just a little bit. When, when you and I, when we were conceived inside the wombs of our mothers, we didn't belong to God. We are God's creation. But at the very moment that we were created, the legal right for the devil to possess human creation took effect. Wow. So at the very instance of our being, of our coming to be into the world by the finger of God, then that curse took effect immediately. And so what what undoes that is baptism. It removes our ownership from the devil places our ownership in God. It gives us God the Father as our Father, gives us the Holy Spirit as as our sanctifier, gives us Christ as our Redeemer, and everything else that comes. It gives us the theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity, and and, and, and the, the charismatic gifts that the Holy Spirit plants within us at in a nascent form. All of those effects, all of them, bar none, are removed with the committing of one mortal sin. So to be clear, our baptism is not removed, because you can't undo a baptism. Mm. It leaves an indelible mark. But the effects of the baptism are, when you are in a state of a mortal sin, God the Father is not your Father. Christ is not your Savior. And the Holy Spirit is not your sanctifier. Period. And You have to be in a state of grace. You have to be in a state of grace. Which I now, think... Now, you can still say, hey, well, look, I still believe in Christ like I did prior to the sin. Mm. You know, I still believe that God is my Father. That kind of faith, James tells us in his epistle, has no power to save. Wow. It's a dead faith. That's that's scary yeah. to think about, actually. But it goes... I think it ties into another scandal that I, I'm personally scandalized, and we talked about this in the Supreme Court decision that came out on Friday in the, in the Nevada case, this restriction of access to uh, the sacraments, to regulating who can celebrate these sacraments, how, when, and why. The state is now in control of this. And in the case in Nevada, according to the Supreme Court, casinos have more rights than the church does there. And and, uh, and that, to me, is, is scary. I mean, we saw uh, 
Pope Celestine, I mentioned him, his feast day is today. You know, he, he, he said, listen, we have got to give absolution to the penitents before they die. And if they're, if they're sincerely repentant, then we have got to give it to them. And yet we've seen cases over the last couple of months where there are certain bishops in this country who said, no, we're not going to give last rites right now. We're not going to do emergency baptisms right now. We're not going to, you know, we're going to regulate all of this exactly. and really scale back. I'm scandalized exactly. by that for what you just said. How many people are now committing more and more mortal sins? Because we've seen a rise in pornography usage uh, over this uh, pandemic experience, rise in hatred, rise in violence, rise in uh, home abuse. Uh, now that there's more people home now more than ever, it, it, there's a lot of things on the rise. And what's not on the rise is access to the sacraments. Um, this it seems scary to me, Father Carlos Martins. Sure, sure, of course. And, and you know, if these kinds of decisions from courts, from civil society, point to one thing, and that is Christians need to stand up, that among other things, among other things that these decisions are, I mean, they're, they're, they're theological aberrations, they're, they're uh, among the, the problems that are caused by these decisions, we have to con- make these and draw attention to these as civil rights issues, that we have a civil right to the sacraments mm. and to live our faith like this. And, and that entails that we need to function as church the way we understand church, not the way you define that we are church. Yeah, We have a right to live it the way we believe it. And all of us, now, look, the, the bishops and the priests, they're, they're ones that we like to pick on a lot, and... <laughs> Quite frankly, a lot of us clergy, we fail at what we do. But not everything falls upon the clergy. It, it also falls upon the laity to stand up and, and fill positions of leadership in a kind of movement like this. This is a civil rights issue. But the whole thing now about the demonic, if the devil has a right to possess, then he's going to exercise that right when he can do so. Mm. What now? The question then becomes, well, look, uh, you know, people commit mortal sins all the time. They go to confession, and there was no evidence of possession in between they're committing a mortal sin and they're going to confession. So, you know, what gives? Well, in addition to the right to possess that the devil has, he needs the actual consent of God to do so. Wow. So the devil is always on a leash, always. The, the Lord owns him. When the devil, when, when there is a mortal sin, the devil can certainly possess. Why doesn't he do so? Only because at that moment, the Lord prevents it. But I'll tell you this, the, the Lord, at time, you can commit a mortal sin over and over and over again, you know, run to confession, go back to a life of sin, run to confession. At a certain point, if, if your heart is not with the Lord, he will allow you to experience the fruits of your labor. Mm. And, and at that point, it's, it's a whole new ballgame. Because it's not a matter of just confessing your sin and you get rid of a demon. Confession doesn't necessarily do that. And, well, and your life may never be the same after that. I mean, I have, I have two cases right now. They're going on over seven years. Wow. And they're not... They're nowhere near. Uh, they're nowhere near completion. The, the demons. Uh, uh, these are two separate individuals, two separate cases, and and the, these individuals have had these demons for 
almost their entire lives, not just adult lives. In other words, they were, uh, they, they didn't even choose the devil. They were born into families that were practicing the occult. And so they picked, they picked it up vicariously. And I'll tell you this, it's, it's, it's horrific and it's, it's, it's sad. The fact that these individuals never chose the devil and now they have to deal with these demonic results. Now, what about those who willingly choose? I mean, who really had, you know, I know what's right and wrong and I just choose to transgress and do evil. I mean, that, that is where, that is where it gets really scary because then you subject yourself to a demonic hold mm. that even God ratifies. You know, wow. God's son came to save the world. And like any father, if he, he, he wants to protect his son, he gave his son up to win you. Uh, but, but God, while he is never cruel, he is severe. And that severity is born from the love of his son. We have about 60 seconds left, Father, in our radio side of our show. Then we're going to go, we're going to sign off from the radio side. We'll stay on social media. We'll stay on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Just find us at, at GRN online to continue our conversation with just about 45 seconds left in our conversation. Father, uh, what would be your best piece of advice in these dark times uh, for the lay faithful? Uh, clean up your what you view as entertainment mm. uh, get rid of get rid of movies out of your life get rid of it why because i can't find a movie any, anymore that doesn't have a blasphemy in it yeah and a blasphemy is a curse you are cursing your home you're cursing the place where 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 you where you viewed this as entertainment amen i mean i i haven't i can't tell you the last movie that i saw i just i just don't do it clean up your language and increase your use of the sacraments. That's the best advice Amen. I can give. Amen. We've been speaking with Father Carlos Martins, a companion of the cross priest, uh, the greatest steward of relics outside of the Vatican, and, uh, and an exorcist. And we're talking about the diabolical impact on society. Father Carlos, thank you for your time today. Hopefully you can hang out with us in the after show. Sure, certainly. All right, so stick around. Uh, we're going to sign off the radio across the Guadalupe Radio Network, so if you're going to have to go, well, God bless you. Thank you, and have a great day. But uh, if you can, join us on Facebook.com forward slash GRN online or on YouTube or on Twitter. Just search for us at GRN online. Every Monday, I host the show. Every Friday, Dave Palmer hosts the show. It's called GRN Alive, and we're glad that you're a part of it. I want to thank Teresa Kamara from HoustonCoalition.com. Thank you, Joe. Tim Mott, a manager in Houston, and David Magianas for producing the show today. Uh, hopefully Janelle will be on, our brand new intern. We can have a conversation with her next week. Until then, may God richly bless you. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive. From the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun, and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And take Jesus wherever you go this week.
Hello, my name is Liz Mertz. My husband, Bill, and I own Master Tech Auto Repair in Plano. We are proud sponsors of Catholic Radio. Our family has been parishioners of St. Gabriel's and McKinney for many years. Master Tech is a full-service auto repair for all vehicles, from oil changes to complete engine replacement or transmission service. We are located just across the street from St. Mark's Parish in Plano. You can contact us at 972-578-1841 or www.mastertechplano.com. Thank you, and may you have a blessed day. Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man, blessed be the name of Jesus, blessed be His most sacred heart, blessed be His most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary Most Holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be St. Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Amen.